This is the Square Peg Podcast, starring Andrew Lawrence and a cast of mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. And now, here's your host, Andrew Lawrence. Not all of us look the way the world expects us to look, think as the world expects us to think, or arrive at our destinations the way the world expects us to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we give a voice to mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roseless travel. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. And thank you to the Searchlight Needles for getting us started, as always. The Needles aren't just a quartet of middle-aged, overweight, and balding El Pasoans. Robert Martinez, Josh Smith, Adrian Ortiz, and David Science are four really fantastic guys who hold down jobs and take care of families during the week, and then they rock out on weekends. You can find them on the web at www.searchlightneedles.com. You can find them on Facebook, and you can download their album on all streaming services. We have a little bit of a different show today. We don't actually have a square peg in studio, but I do have my friend Jamar Cotton, and we're going to talk about celebrity square peg, Dennis Rodman. Jamar, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me. So, uh, are you an NBA fan? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I root for the LA Lakers. That's been my team for a long time. Now, of course, being from New Jersey, I find it a little bit odd that you only root for California teams. You're also <laughs> a San Francisco fan. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, San Francisco is my football team. Uh, when it comes to uh, hockey, I don't watch hockey that much, but I go for the New Jersey Devils, so that's my New Jersey team. Uh, Baseball, I sporadically watch it. I usually run for the uh, for the Yankees because that's hometown, and Dodgers just because I like the the colors, you know, for my your fraternity colors. So, and actually, one of the things that doing research for this uh, episode, I didn't realize because I haven't watched the NBA since about 1990. I forgot that Rodman actually played for the Lakers. Hey, me too. Hey, so th- there was five teams. Like most people don't even realize he played for five NBA teams. So most people only only know him for for the Bulls. But he actually got drafted by the Pistons, and that's what he... And and that's, you know, when I think of Dennis Rodman, that's right around the time I stopped watching the NBA was when the Pistons were winning world championships in the late 1980s. And uh, when I think of him, I think of his time with the Pistons, his time with the Bulls. And then actually, you know, one of the first things I, I came up on was that he had spent uh, actually a few years with San Antonio, which I had forgotten. But of course, I, now that I think about it, I do remember those years. Um, but he also played for the Lakers and um, who was the other team? So he played for uh, he he was Pistons from uh, ninety six to ninety three. That was the bulk of his uh, career. He was with the Spurs from ninety three to ninety five. The Bulls from ninety five to ninety eight. The Lakers from ninety nine. And then he was with the Mavericks uh, two, in two thousand. That's right, Dallas. Who who remembers that? Does right. anybody remember right. him being with Dallas <laughs> right. at all? At all. My my goodness. Well, I, and I guess it, it maybe won't work because you're as much of a sports fan as I am. But when I think of Rodman, I don't necessarily think basketball player. He's crossed over so much. Oh man! So when I think of Rodman, I think of a jack of all trades. Because when you talk about Dennis Rodman, he he did everything. He played basketball. Uh, he had, had a long career in basketball. Then he did wrestling for a little while. I remember, he was in the WWE with uh, Hulk Hogan. He's part of the NWO. Hey, well, that that's not a WWE thing. That was during the Monday Night Wars. He was was with World Championship Wrestling. Oh, WCW. And he yeah. was actually part of. There was a, a six man tag team, the Jay Leno. And uh, Kevin Eubank were actually part of that whole thing. I'd forgotten about that as well. Yeah, but he, he was part of NWO for a while, with, uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, too. And uh, he was actually the first celebrity championship wrestler to win the tournament. What tournament was that? The the celebrity championship uh, wrestling with the cha- for the championship. It was, it was called the uh, Celebrity Championship Wrestling Tournament. 
Okay, and actually, I did not remember that. There's so much to unpack here. I guess maybe we'll go chronologically. He was drafted in 86. Correct. And, and to go even further uh, back, uh, there were so many things that I didn't know. He's actually from New Jersey originally, like Trent. you are. Yeah, true. Um, but he moved to Dallas as a kid mm-hmm. and uh, grew up with his mom. And his both of his sisters actually were big-time uh, basketball players. Yeah, Kim and, uh, Kim and Debbie. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Are you? Have you seen them play? So no, I never seen them play. But uh, doing research, I found out that both Kim. What, you know, if looking at once we go over order, if you look at his his uh, deal, he wasn't even the the primary athlete in his family. Kim and Debbie was. So Kim and Debbie both played basketball uh, prior to him, and they were superstars. Uh, Kim uh, Kim played for La Tech, and then Debbie played for. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, both was all um, all Americans, and then Kim wound up winning two national championships with La, La Tech was big, big a big uh, uh, women's basketball program back at that time. I remember. Right, right, right. So this is another thing that I, the only other person I can think of who experienced something like this was David Robinson, who of course went to the Naval Academy and then grew like eight inches and couldn't serve on a, a submarine or anything. Right, right. Uh, and ended up getting some some special considerations to play in the NBA. Uh, after graduating high school, uh, Rodman was uh, maintenance or, or custodial. For the airport. At the Dallas. airport and grew eight inches in like a year. <laughs> right, right. So he had took he took time out of basketball during that time period. After he got out of uh, high school, he stopped playing basketball and he just was a janitor at the airport. And, um, and then one of his family friends – after he had that growth spurt, was like, "Hey, man, we need to get you back in basketball." Uh, so he had a, he had some connects in Gainesville uh, and got him into. That's when he got back into school into the college. He did a year at, at a junior college, and then I think I had some uh, surprise, surprise academic troubles. Because mm-hmm. when you're being Dennis Rodman, he wasn't even Dennis Rodman yet. But when you're being Dennis Rodman, you probably don't have a whole lot of time to study. Right. I know that he ended up doing a little bit of transferring, uh, and then got uh, invited to a. Uh, some sort of showcase or tournament or something like that, and he actually got noticed. Yeah, the the the, uh, the pre-draft um, um, the pre-draft tournaments where he went to. Yeah, so he went to Cook County first, which is now known as uh, North uh, North Central Texas. That's where that's where he was at first, and then from uh, from there he uh, transferred over to Southeastern Oklahoma State. That's where he uh, finished his deal at, um, and then he went over to the tournament. That's where he got his look at, and that's when the Pistons observed him. It ended up getting drafted, I believe, late second round. I mean, it wasn't even... Uh, uh, pick number 27. 27 of the second round. Uh, yeah, was it the second round? I think yeah, so, I think and there's only two round. rounds. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're going to get picked up in, in the NBA draft, uh, second round is... Oh, yeah, second round, 27. Yeah. Not somewhere where you expect uh, you're going to have a whole lot of success. But he ended up, I mean, at that time, uh, I can still... And I don't know why I remember this, but it, during the years that he... Uh, was winning world championships with the Pistons. It was uh, him, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, John Sally, and Joe Dumars. And I, I think at some point um, Ricky Mahorn was there. But anyway, he get, he got drafted onto a team and uh, certainly had a lot to prove. He ended up making his way, uh, looking at, at uh, all-time, I can see he's actually 23rd all-time uh, in rebounds. And the interesting thing is, he's only six foot seven. Right, right. Um, I'm looking at everybody. I mean, some of the names that are ahead of him on the all time rebound chart: Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Kareem, uh, Elvin Hayes, Moses Malone, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone. These guys, uh, you know, half a dozen of these guys are seven feet or higher. Uh, the only one who was shorter than him was is Barkley, 
Barkley's number 19, and he's an inch shorter at 6'6". There's also, um, what am I looking at here? Uh, Buck Williams, ja, Jerry Lucas, both 6'8". Uh, Wes Unseld uh, was 6'7". So, I mean, to be 23rd all-time uh, and to be that short, there's got to be rebounding in basketball probably, I would say, consists of, of two main things, positioning and drive. Right. Um. I don't know how you grab that many rebounds. And he played at a time when the big man was actually a necessity Relevant, in the NBA. Right, right. Um, big, big men don't really don't mean anything nowadays. He kind of reminds me, at least when you're talking about the, when you play with that kind of energy and that kind of drive, my, my favorite Aggie of all time, Wendell McInnes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Did You, you were at school the yeah, same time yeah, he was? I was still in. Uh, I was there when McInnes was there. So were you watching um, the Pistons at this time? Uh, during the time when um, when Robin was there, yeah, I, I was watching it, but again, that really wasn't my my focus team back then. I was, you know, more focused on the the Bulls, uh, the Lakers, the Boston Celtics. So I really was. I mean, I paid some attention to the Pistons because obviously they was going to the championship, but you know, they really wasn't my team. And he actually, I'm looking at uh, looking at the statistics right now. He actually led the league. Uh, in rebounds, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. Seven, yep. Uh, did two with uh, Detroit, uh, two with San Antonio, three with Chicago. Looks like he, he spread himself out uh, pretty well. Um, I, I'm having a hard time remembering what the NBA was like back then as far as free agency and guys moving around. I mean, I know a lot's made now of comparing guys of, of the Jordan era with, with LeBron and you know LeBron moving to a different city every couple of years and, and build trying to build a team around him versus uh, having to stay in one place. What do you remember about somebody in, in that era, uh, basically mid '80s to the mid 2000s, uh, playing for as many different teams? I mean, played for five different teams. How how common was that? So I, I mean, I see that he played for five different teams, but when you look back at that time era, most people, um, you know, especially the superstars. We're sticking with the teams that they came out with, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, people were looking at long-term, you know, that legacy-type deal. Um, so most guys, you know, stuck with their team for the most part. You know, it was a longevity thing back then. Um, you know, as we move forward into to more modern times, you know, everybody is looking to see how they can win, you know, what's the best move, you know. So necessarily in these days it's not necessarily about staying with a team for 10, 15, 20 years. It's what move is going to be the best move for you to win and, you know, for you to – um, maximize that that money flow. Well, I mean, there's obviously Dennis Rodman is the subject of our episode this week because he is a square peg. He is a mold breaker. I don't know how much of a trailblazer he is, but uh, uh, definitely taker of road less traveled. I I, I feel pretty safe going probably a step further, and I'll just say he's straight up a freak show. And I'm trying to remember when that whole thing started. He was he really wasn't Dennis Rodman yet when he was with the Detroit Pistons. He was just a basketball player. Right. So when when you look through when you look back at Dennis Rodman life, um you can point to a couple of different things that led to his uh change. Uh, originally um Dennis Rodman was an introvert, right? He was a shy guy. He he kept to himself, uh not many friends. Uh understanding his household deal, you know, his mom and dad eventually split uh split when he was young. His dad moved to the Philippines. Uh so his dad wasn't there for most of his uh child life. You know, they had a, a break off about 20, 30 years. Uh, 
you know, there was 28 kids. Uh, there said to be 28 kids on dad's side, and a total of 47, according to Dennis Rodman. That's what I was going to say. So, the 28 sounds a little bit conservative compared to what I'd read. Right, right. So um, when you factor all that stuff in, uh, a broken home, um, when you factor in, at the beginning, he wasn't the, he wasn't the, uh, the child. You know, the mom preferred Kim and uh, and Deborah, and there was no dad there, so he spent most of his times around predominantly females. And so later on, when he decided that uh, after he was uh, contemplating on committing suicide in '93, he decided to change. And when you look at his change. He uh, incorporated a lot of tattoos, a lot of piercings. Uh, you know, he 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 wore his uh, dress for his autobiography in '96. He got that idea from uh, Howard Stern, though. Right, right. But when you look at all those things, uh, the piercings, the tattoos, uh, the 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 color hair, the the changing in appearance, you can look at the things that was going on in his life, and he almost just basically became a character of the things that was going on. His mom favored his sisters, so he kind of took some of those qualities that his mom liked in his sisters, and he uh, applied them to herself. And then he came from introvert to extrovert. Now he's this outgoing person who now who was um, getting into conflicts with other people, other teams, outspoken. Um, and then, you know, you look at the aggressive part, and then you, you think about some of the things that he was going through within his life. And then later on, he gets into alcohol, and alcohol becomes an issue, and he goes in and out of rehabs and stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot, man. Well, who, what's, interesting is, what's interesting to me is who he became um, outside of basketball or, or extracurricular to basketball was a lot different than the role that he played. He seemed to, be, he seemed to relish the fact that, first of all, not everybody's Michael Jordan, not everybody's Isaiah Thomas, not everybody's going to be the scoring, or, the scoring leader and get all the, uh, the accolades. You have to have people play defense, and you have to have people rebound. And he seemed to not have a problem with that at all. He was just fine being that guy and um, being a role player and, and being really one of the, from what I can, can gather, the last 40 or 50 years, um, one of the best. When it comes to rebounding, and I'm looking at a lot of these names that are ahead of him on the all-time rebounding list, you got talking about guys who played in the '60s and '70s. Um, I'm starting to wonder how much of it is a work. I mean, how much of it is Dennis Rodman being slick as a fox and sly as a fox and saying, "You know what? My talents on the basketball floor may be as important as they are to helping win championships, but it doesn't do much for building a brand." So I'm really starting to wonder how much of that was the genius that is Dennis Rodman. Oh yeah, and, and you 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 gotta give him some points uh, as far as being creative and, and uh, marketing himself. Because when you think about the whole scheme of things, he became more popular outside of his defense on a, on a field, uh, on on the court uh, because of his his villain type attitude. You know, his his going against the grain um, and things like that. You know that that in in particular opened up the doors for him to. All his acting jobs after that, you know, all the TV shows, the the celebrity shows, uh, everything else that came out of, outside of basketball, you know, it opened up a whole new door because everybody wanted to see what character or what person Dennis Rodman is going to be today. What we're going to get from him today? Well, I would also say being involved uh, romantically, we'll we'll call that with Madonna and two uh, was it 
um, Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra, yeah. I was wanting to say Tila Tequila. Right, I, right. I don't know why I was going to say that. But um, in any case, I, something that I really hadn't thought to, to look into too much was I think it would be interesting to see the relationship between Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. That almost seems like an oil and water. Or because Phil Jackson's who he is, he might be that much more accepting of the eccentricities uh, that, that Dennis Rodman had. Right. And you know what? It's funny that you brought that up because I was I was looking at that and I was thinking about the time that that relationship happened. And the only thing I can think of that, like in modern time, it reminded me Phil Jackson of Bill Belichick. Like, that's why I saw like that Bill Belichick relationship with his with his players. That's what I saw with Rodman and Phil Jackson. Like, if anybody can deal with him, Phil was the guy. Well, he only spent a few years there. Of course, he went uh, went on to uh, and and this is another thing. I forget that the years he spent in San Antonio were actually before Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and he'd actually already become that guy already. Because if I'm not mistaken, the incident where he ended up on the floor and uh, extending his foot into the crotch of that photographer was when he was in San Antonio, wasn't it? Right. So he'd already made a name for himself, and I don't think that um, I would imagine Phil Jackson probably had a lot of say. Uh, in kind of a Bill Sar- Bill Parcells way, you know, you you want you want to the guy to coach the team is like asking somebody to cook a meal, but you don't let him shop for the groceries. I would imagine Phil Jackson had some sort of say in whether or not uh, the Bill the the Bulls would bring Dennis Rodman on. So uh, I, I don't know what to make of that. He obviously wasn't against the idea, right? Well, even until the late uh, 2000, 2012, uh Phil Jackson. Um, Still had a relationship with Rodman. Like he, he, he even was helping Rodman through his um, alcohol abuse. You know, through the rehab and stuff like that. So the relationship went outside of just um, basketball and him being on the team and stuff like that. Did so, you read his autobiography? Uh, the the what? Which is the wannabe? The one that he wore the uh, the dress to promote? No, the ni- for the '96. No, I didn't read it. I didn't. He actually wrote. It. He wrote a second one, didn't he? Uh, did, did he write something else? I didn't else? see the second one. I saw the '96 one. I didn't see another. Well, this is about the point where I'm going to surprise Jamar uh, with our little segment that's uh, we have a little bit of fun with it, and then it caused him to have to think on his feet. Um, there are only two rules, and the first rule is when I say go, you've got five seconds. <laughs> and the second rule is your answer cannot be Donald Trump. Oh, my God. So somebody today who you feel is famous for all the wrong reasons, clown, buffoon, boob, jackass, somebody who you would rather not have to listen to, hear about, or even contemplate, who's very much making the news these days. You got five seconds, go. Uh, five seconds. Let's, you stop me. I don't, I don't watch the news that often, so I can, uh, I'm going to have to pass on that one. Well, then I guess your host is going to have to come up with this person, and we can, let, we, let, we can let, edit this out. Let, let, me, let me think while you're thinking. We're, we're going to think together. See, we make it kind of hard when we can't when it can't be Donald Trump. Right. <laughs> um, I've got the oh, answer. You know what? There were people who started one of the many wildfires in California through the explosion of a pyrotechnic at a gender reveal party. Bro, I was just about to say that. <laughs> so we're thinking along the same line. So, ladies and gentlemen, the people who did a gender reveal party and ended up starting a forest fire are our jabronis of the week. Our jabroni of the week is brought to you by the Cardenas Law Firm. Finding an attorney to help you with your legal issues can be rough. How do you find an effective and honest attorney without sacrificing your financial health? The Cardenas Law Firm breaks the mold by offering exceptional service without breaking the bank. 
Find them online at www.cardenaslawfirmllc.com or by calling 575-650-6003. Don't call some jabroni lawyer at some jabroni law firm. Call the Cardenas Law Firm. So, back to Dennis Rodman. What's Dennis Rodman doing now? Do we know? Um, no, I, actually, I don't know. I mean, last last thing I saw him doing was traveling the world and being an advocate for the with, between the, uh, North Korea and the U.S. deal. Well, that's interesting you, you bring that up because according to a, there's a book called The Great Successor, The Divinely Perfect Destiny of Brilliant Comrade Kim Jong-un. Uh, I learned a lot of really interesting tidbits, and it was actually in 2009 that the CIA was actively discussing um, trying to get Dennis Rodman to go talk to Kim Jong-un. Right. Um, they were actually really surprised. He thought he went over there with uh, some amateur basketball players or maybe some semi-pro, and they were going to go over there and do some sort of uh, uh, demonstration or a, what do they call it, an exhibition match. Mm-hmm. Ended up being in an empty stadium. And he sat down next to Kim Jong-un and watched the game. And there were, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I, you want to talk about two people with some really odd hair. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with Kim Jong-un and his hairdo. Uh, that is about the weirdest buzz cut. Uh, right. I mean, he really does look like he could have gotten his hair cut by some barber in New Mexico because we, we see a lot of weird stuff like that around here. Right. Um, but in any case, he actually, um, Kim Jong-un went to school in Europe. Uh, in the mid 1990s, and started watching American basketball there, and, and that's when he started his fanboydom. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I looked into that as well a little bit. Um, and during that time, because um, uh, after what was it, 2000 and what was it last year? What 2000? 2000 is yeah, 2000. Uh, he went 2003 to 2006. He was uh, in the G League and playing over overseas, and so <clears throat> amongst that time is when he started building a relationship up until you know 2009, and then everything got closer. And as far as we know, and um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, but at the same time, understanding Rodman's character and who he who he became, I didn't see it you know as being far fetched as far as that relationship. Well, I mean, it, uh, I think it probably says a lot that you could call Dennis Rodman as much a reality TV star um, as a uh, as a basketball player, and one other famous reality TV star who's now the president of the United States uh, has visited with King Jong uh, Kim Jong Un and uh, has some sort of fanboy. I don't know. I, I, I don't think Rodman said anything about them writing each other love letters right. uh, like the president did. But um, I guess, you know what? Everybody has a role in life and everybody has a different way to connect with people. And if if you can't connect with a, a dictator like that through traditional diplomatic means, maybe you turn to your freak show uh, reality star uh, basketball player. Who knows? Right. And, and, and that just goes. I mean, that's that's life lessons. That's experiences that we go through, you know. Everything ain't going to work the way that we plan it to. Sometimes you got to think outside of the box to make make ends meet. And I think uh, Rodman and uh, Kim was one of those one of those things where, uh, you know, Kim wasn't really probably feeling the the politic uh, way of things. But Dennis Rodman made it feel more of a, uh, you know, realistic down to earth type deal where we can get a little ways from politics and, you know, kind of make things meet in the middle by uh, understanding the life. 
Well, I, and it's something that I hadn't even thought about. He actually brought, uh, Rodman did, two members of the Harlem Globetrotters with him uh, when he went to go meet Kim Jong-un. There are also stories uh, about uh, how much, have you ever heard of soju? Uh, I heard of it, but it's a Korean. It's a Korean liquor that, that all all my friends who have served in the army and been over there have told me about. It's apparently has magic powers, or at least a very high alcohol content. Uh, and um, according to this book, um, Kim Jong Un down no fewer than a dozen shots, and things got. Uh, there was some. I don't know. Uh, I I would love to see the outtakes and the unedited footage. It was a, a Vice TV crew that that Robin brought over there with him. Oddly enough, he went over there in 2013, um, and somebody there was somebody that was released, uh, somebody who the U.S. government had been... Oh, they pardoned, that they pardoned, you're talking about? Yeah, somebody that we, the U.S. government had been trying to get over, get back home for a long time, uh, came home not too long after, uh, within the year of Rodman's first visit. And I don't know that anybody can draw any kind of uh, direct links through that, but he, and if I'm not mistaken, he's made more than one, made more than one trip over there. Yeah. So I, I remember seeing that. Uh, I forget the the person's name that uh, was released, but I, I remember that being in the news. Well, what else can we say about Dennis Robin? He is a basketball player, a reality TV star, a freak show, uh, a wearer of women's dresses, wedding dresses, uh, while promoting books. And I guess you can call him uh, at least as successful uh, a negotiator with communist dictators as anybody else, to tell you the truth. What do you think when when it's all said and done, um, you know, 50 years from now, are people going to remember Dennis Rodman as a basketball player or are they going to remember him as a uh, whatever else he is? Right. I think when you think about Dennis Rodman, I think people are going to look at uh, a, a couple of different avenues of Dennis Rodman. Uh, you, you never, you're never going to forget that um, Dennis Rodman was a defensive rebounding guru. Uh, remembering during his career, he averaged 13.1 rebounds a game. So you, you're not going to forget that. Seven-time um, rebound um, champion, um, seven-time all-defensive first team, two-times NBA defense player of the year. So those things you're not going to forget. You know, he's on five championship teams, uh, you know. Uh, and then he also won a championship in the ABA afterwards. And then um, he got three All-American when he was in college. So not only that. His career, he you know averaged seven point three uh, points a game, so six thousand six hundred eighty three points, and then his assists. So basketball, you'll never forget those. And then his character on the on the court, uh, outside of the court, you won't forget those things. And now, and now, now when we look at him now in the later years and the things that he's doing, as far as um, if you want to look at it politically or however you want to look at it, uh, people won't forget those things neither because some of the things that he he's taking part in. Is is in major discussions uh, between uh, the two parties that you know that's that's relevant for today's day. So um, I think when you think about it, man, you you always gonna remember that he he like I said earlier, a jack of all trades. You know, he there's something for everybody to remember. You know, for 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 us, it's gonna be maybe uh, the basketball in the 1996 dress for the autobiography. You know, for somebody else, it's gonna be what he did with Kim. For somebody else, it's gonna be his reality TV shows. You know, and stuff like that and for for other people, it's going to be the wrestling, you know. So because he was involved in so many different things, I mean, he has something that, you know, almost everybody can pick and choose from what they can remember about him. Well, for all the barriers that he broke down visiting North Korea and meeting with Kim Jong-un, the funny thing is I don't think anybody in North Korea, other than those who actually laid eyes on him, ever knew that he was there because they, they were, the media is restricted, the Internet is restricted. It's such a repressive regime, which is such an interesting thing because – 
you have somebody like Kim Jong Un and um, some of the some of the leaders of the Soviet Union in the in the those later years severely restricted their media and didn't want people to see the influences of Western culture and really the 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 successes of capitalism and uh, and how how abundant things were and how abundant. Uh, consumer goods are and how much access people in the West had to all those things. But Kim Jong-un certainly didn't find anything anything uh, wrong with it. He just wanted to have it all for himself. So it's one of those things where kind of like a, you know, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. doesn't want anybody at his school at Liberty University to experience all the salacious things that, that the world has to offer, but it's okay for him. Right. Um, and Kim Jong-un doesn't want uh, people to see all the greatness that, uh, not to be a little too much of a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, when people think America is everything, like mm-hmm. what's what's the exceptionalism? Right. So this Western and, you know, this exceptionalism of the West, exceptionalism of consumer goods and exceptionalism of capitalism. He doesn't want anybody in his country to be able to enjoy those things or know that they exist because they'll probably want those. And having those things requires a little bit of freedom. Yet he's he's none too willing to uh, experience all those good things himself. Uh, any final thoughts about Dennis Rodman? Um. I got a couple more things, actually. First of all, we got to make sure we don't forget his nickname, the Worm. You don't let's not forget that. How did he get that? Uh, I don't even know how he got the nickname, but <laughs> I know that I remembered the nickname. And when I when I was doing the research, it came back up again. I'm like, yo, we during those times, he was always called the Worm. And 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 I'm gonna take a guess. I think he got the Worm because of his height being six seven and so dominant on the boards he was able to slither through the bigger people and grab rebounds on people that he probably shouldn't have and he's only on. he's just less than 230 pounds so he's not thick I mean he's six seven two twenty eight right, 228 is, right. is relatively thin right uh, so, but like I said I mean there's something in him obviously you know positioning and 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 angles and 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 things like that add to your basketball IQ and get you in a position where you can grab rebounds but at something at that size, uh, playing in a big man's game, especially in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, his ability to get those rebounds, I would attribute. There's just a drive uh, and hustle. Right. Um, you know, you, you can't do that without having without being driven, without being somebody who hustles uh, and kind of wants it more than somebody else. Right. Right. And so and so <clears throat> as we as we look forward, man, to to see the the, the continuing legacy of Dennis Rodman, um, he got two kids right now, Trinity, uh, Trinity and um Dennis Jr., who are both in sports right now, too. I think uh, Dennis Jr. is playing basketball, and um, Trinity is playing soccer. Well, I'm going to say that that would be a heck of a, a, a legacy to live up to. And I certainly want wouldn't want to see anybody try to outdo uh, the craziness that is Dennis Rodman. Okay. Then again, we, might, we may want to see that. Right. Um, Jamar Cotton, thank you so much for coming on the show. And if you are a square peg... A mold breaker, a trailblazer, or a taker of road less traveled, or if you know somebody who fits that and you think would be an interesting person to have on this show, you can contact us at squarepegpodcastlc at gmail.com. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence. Thank you, Jamar Cotton, for being my guest today. Appreciate it. And we will see you next time on the Square Peg Podcast. We are. This has been an episode of the Square Peg Podcast, starring Andrew Lawrence and his cast of mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. Until then, we'll see you on the next Road Less Traveled? <laughs>